There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Swan. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by our good friends at Spotify Green Room. You may have heard them before as Locker Room. So, Locker Room is now Spotify Green Room. What does that mean? It means it's even better. Everybody already knows about Spotify, so you probably already have Spotify on your phone, which means now you can download the Green Room app, log in with your Spotify account, and you can be part of the action, whether that's just talking about your favorite teams or your favorite sports or if that's a game thread or or if that's breaking news or whatever, Green Room puts you right in the middle of the action and gets you involved with your favorite hosts, other fans around the world, what have you. You can find it all on Green Room. All you got to do is download the app, make your little handle, really just sync it to your Twitter handle. You can follow mine, uh, which you'll see from the TPS account or from my account at Dylan X Short, or maybe even the Locked On Braves account, if I so choose. And you can tune in every Thursday at 9 p.m., although I do have to check. Yeah, so tomorrow I work until 8, so I'll be there 9 p.m. Um, no Braves game tomorrow, so we'll, we'll probably discuss a few other things like we'll do a little bit later in the show. But download Green Room, get in the action. Spotify Green Room, the best place to go. Download it right now, and you can join me every Thursday or thereabout at 9 p.m. to discuss our Atlanta Braves. So... Big win of the big big win versus the Mets, right, Doc? Big win against the Marlins, right? Not so fast, my friends. Here comes the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Dread Pirate, coming to take you down. <laughs> the big bad fifth place Pittsburgh Pirates, who at last check coming into the series, they were twenty three games under five hundred, took the first. Two, and if you ask me, look, I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I mean, a, a loss is a loss. It doesn't matter whether whether you went two to one or eleven to one, which the Braves did both. But uh, it only ca- <laughs> <laughs> it only counts as one in the loss column. But coming off of that Sunday game against Miami, I mean, we've seen. I mean, how many times have we seen the Braves just mount 
heartbreaking comebacks against the Marlins over the past couple years. And th this was one of my favorite ones, you know, just for the way that it all came together. And coming off of that, and, and we, you and I have had the conversation, like, we've got to stop saying this is the turning point, okay? Every big win can't be the turning point. So we made sure to not say it to each other or tweet it out or whatever. And it's a good thing because they showed up. Like, it's the most life you've seen out of this team all season long. It was 2019, 2020, don't quit with Snit, complete with the bullpen blowing at first, but nobody wanting to talk about that, and then the offense having to mount this huge rally. And then you go to Pittsburgh and got crushed, just demolished, and then had to lose a heartbreaker after that. So it kind of takes the wind out of your sails. We are recording the Wednesday episode during the uh, rain delay in Game 3. As things stand now, it's 7-3 Braves in the top of the 7th, and we got two men on. So um, you never know. But this one so far, at least from an offensive standpoint, has gone much better than the first two games. Yeah, and the weird thing is uh, you have faced three horrible pitchers from the Pirates. Now, granted, every starting pitcher for the Pirates is horrible, but you have faced just the worst of the worst of their bunch, and you have managed in 14 and two-thirds innings, I believe, either 14 and two-thirds or 15 and two-thirds. It might be 15 and two-thirds. I might be cheating them out of an inning. You have had 14 base runners against Chase DeYoung, Chad Cole, and today's starter, Will Crow. You scored four runs combined. You had 14 base runners against these three guys. You scored four. You know, Pittsburgh's bullpen is actually not nearly as good really as it good. looks. Well, well, it's not as good as it looks because they've got Richard Rodriguez, who's really pulling, pulling up the average for a lot of things there. But, you know, if you can... You know, struggling with the starter is, is whatever. You're just going to have some days like that. And you, the mindset is always all you got to do is get into the bullpen. I think somebody just took a quick look at the uh, at the team stats and, oh, God, we can't get in the bullpen. That's the last thing we need to do. So it, it was really frustrating over, over the past couple days. But it it has been nice to, to watch today's game. You saw some patience. You saw a lot of walks. I mean, the Pirates kind of... Um, they did that to themselves, but it does take a certain level of patience if you've got any pitches that are close. And after the last two days, it's just nice to see that it looks like there's some type of, um, some type of approach. You know, that's something that this for the past God, it seems like the last fifty games out of the last uh, how many games are we into the season? 85, 84, 85? You know, it just seems like for at least half the season there's been not really much of an approach. And when you look at you know, yeah, there were some home runs during the 20-2 to game, but if you start looking like like at that Sunday game against Miami, like that, that last inning, it was walks and clutch hits and, you know, keeping the line moving. This The past couple years, we've seen Acuna and Ozuna, sorry, I didn't mean to bring him up, and Donaldson and Freddie and Albies and Ryan, and these guys are hitting tanks. They're hitting tons of home runs. And even for, you would see some of that ABC baseball, but it's... In, in like 19 and 20, but this year that's been sorely missed. And I'm not sitting out here advocating for bunting, but you know, I like, I like a single stolen base and, you know, get them on, get them over, get them in, you know, like do it, do it kind of old school in that way. Because, but now it almost appears that, that that is what they have recognized they have to do a little bit. And that, that just trying to hit home runs all the time is not going to be sustainable for the rest of the year. So 
Um, kind of similar to Austin Riley earlier in the season. Like, you could tell he was trying to do something different. He just hadn't figured out how to do it yet. Um, that's something that I'm keeping my eye on over the next couple weeks is if they're going to be able to get back to being like a um, stringing together hits type of team instead of just get a walk and then pray somebody hits one deep. I mean, to be honest, I don't really care how you score your runs as long as you score runs. And the Braves haven't been consistent hitting the home run. It's been kind of all or nothing. They'll hit them in, in bunches, and then they'll go dead quiet for like three games in a row. And that's not a recipe for winning. We've seen that with Braves teams in the past where when you get too reliant on the home run ball that you don't perform very well. And a lot of it is outside of the home runs, the Braves aren't really getting a ton of extra base hits. Or if they do, it's with two outs already. They're not able to keep it moving. Now, a lot of that is the fact that Five, six, seven, eight, and nine have been colossal black holes for most of this season, and you're, you're. I don't think anybody in the spaces uh, below, really, anybody underneath Ozzy. I don't know if Austin still. Is, so, basically, your top four guys, the only guys in this lineup with a WRC plus over a hundred. Everybody else is under a hundred. That is a bad lineup, objectively speaking. Now, granted, we did not come into this season expecting that we were going to have to run out for long lengths of play. Uh, really badly struggling Dansby and say what you want about his hot two-week stretch he's done that before and what you're getting now is pretty much normal Dansby it's just not great highest K rate of his career lowest walk rate of his career when you have those things going at the same time usually not a good sign we didn't expect to have Guillermo Heredia playing every single day we didn't expect to have Abraham Almonte playing all the time we didn't expect that Pablo Sandoval and Ari Adrianza would be playing huge swaths of games for you so it's, it's fair to say we didn't expect that we would be at this point in the season using Kevin Smith and Jonathan Lucroy at catcher. We did not expect this team to, be, to have to be dipping this deep into like AAA and the depth that you were hoping to be able to like, eh, well, if, we need, if it's an emergency, maybe. Well, unfortunately, you've had to break the glass in case of emergency about six times already this season. And you're starting, you, you've seen it kind of play out the way that you would think that something like that would. The difference is we thought coming into this season that the pitching would be enough to kind of float the offense if they had to use worse players. This is why, like, you can't... I don't really go back and blame Alex for some of the moves in this offseason, other than, like, the Drew Smiley move. But it is one of those where we talked about this early on, that you didn't really have depth on this team, and you've had a pretty good run of health the last two years when the Braves have made these runs. And yes, there's always an injury at the playoff time, but getting to the playoffs, the teams have been mostly healthy. And it's covered up the fact that everybody has been playing, we've talked about this before in years past, where you're playing everybody a crazy amount of games because there's just not much depth behind them. Well, unfortunately, this year it's bit you right in the keister along with everybody. The Braves haven't gone on a run yet. We're sitting here 85 games into the season. The Braves have not gone on a single run. Bad teams luck into runs. Like the law of averages would state that at some point, sometime, you'll go on a stretch where you win five of seven or win eight of ten. Something like that. Just how it works out normally. For God's sake, the Cubs have lost double-digit games in a row, and they still have a better record than the Braves. Now, losing that many games in a row is actually—it's really hard. It is really, it is. really hard to string that many losses together. A couple it's things hard. I wanted to say. No, number one, today's first inning, notwithstanding, Drew Smiley over the past five starts, he's actually been pretty good. Coming in, coming into today, he was four and zero with a one twenty one ERA, a two oh nine FIP. Uh, 8.46 K per nine and 2.42 walks per nine. Not elite, but for a fourth starter, perfectly that's fine. It's perfectly fine. But the thing is, it took him like you know we we 
beat him up for the first 10, 12 starts. And he well, also it. He also hadn't given up any homers over that stretch of games either. And then promptly gives up a home run to the Dread Pirate Stallings in the first inning. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, if you can... Um, I just wanted to, to defend him. It's only fair. We were very mean to him for a very long time on here on the Platinum Sombrero. Second thing is, during this rain delay, they've been playing the Acuna four-hit game against the Phillies, and it is so interesting to see just how different the team looks. Like, Travis Darno's not there. Marcelo Zuna, I had to bring him up again. He's not there. Uh, Chris, or Christian Pache, he's not there. Pablo Sandoval's there, but he's not wearing the panda head. Guillermo Heredia is there, but he doesn't have the swords yet, which... It's, it's just stupid. I'm that's sorry. So Can stupid. I be really no. honest? All of both of... Like, the panda head sucks as a celebration. I'm sorry. It does. Uh, and the swords are, are horrible, too. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I, I know I, we I, like to get behind our celebrations, but this is the worst celebration the, ha- the Braves have had of the fun run. Dude, I can't even tell you how much joy it gives me to look out there and see Guillermo Heredia. Like, he was in the field of play. He ran, in, f- he ran in front of Max Freed on the walk-up against the Marlins, and he had the swords in his hand. Like, the capacity for danger is humongous. But to me, like, and if not for him, picture me telling you this in March. Where would this team be without Guillermo Heredia? Because he's actually pr- played a pretty decent center field, all things considered. And he's been, like... He's been the energy guy, you know? In the past couple years, it's been that guy accidentally brought up twice. Now three times. But now Heredia, honestly, and and we are still waiting for him to turn back into a pumpkin. Long term, he's cheeks. But this year, he's been really good. So, and I'm, I'm still like, all of these things. We still haven't gone on a run, and we are still not out of it. How is it possible that a team that has had this much poor play and this much bad luck could be only three and a half games out by the end of this? I get it. The Mets aren't great. Jacob deGrom, who started for them today, he had the third highest OPS in their starting lineup. That is a first place team. We should be beating them. So, somehow... Not only that, by the way, not only should we be beating them... But there are two teams also above us in the same division who are getting beat by that team. Yeah, you know, we it's it's just first, last, and a cluster in the middle. You know, Basically. the Marlins. Yeah, the Marlins have kind of dug themselves enough of a hole. I mean, they're technically they're only like eight and a half out. They're really technically not they're out of still it in it too. Yeah. So um, when you start looking at. DeGrom, they kind of have had to kid-glove him a little bit with some of his starts. And, you know, I I loathe the New York Mets, but Jacob DeGrom is is one of the best things about baseball. So you oh, never want him. He's the best him. player on the planet. I'm, yeah. I love Mike Trout. I love Shohei Otani. Jacob DeGrom is the best player on the planet right now. But if there's anything that persists with him, you know, you never want to see that happen from a love of baseball standpoint. But from a competitive standpoint, um you know, it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing to happen if he was if he was kind of put on the shelf. Just 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 a ten day. Just you know, we got a five game series coming up against the Mets because I think that's one of the makeup doubleheaders from earlier in the year, and I would really like to miss him during that. That would be fantastic. But all that said, going into the All Star break, it is a t- it is time to assess. We know we said going into this stretch of twenty six games, we're gonna find out a lot about who the team is. They are 11 and 11 in that stretch, which is actually they have been playing better during this stretch than they had 
for the rest of the season leading up to it, which is weird. If they can hold on in this game against Pittsburgh, then that would make them 12 and 11. In order to finish before the all, to finish above 500 at the All Star break, which at a certain point I got super sad and just said, "That's all I want." That's how far we've come down this season. It's just get above 500 before the midway point of the season. Right, and and we missed it at 81. So now it's if we if the Braves win this game against the Pirates and then they can sweep the Marlins, which is much easier said than done, then they would be 45 and 44. Going into the All-Star break. One game over 500. And based on everything we've said so far, that does kind of put you in the buyer column. So, as you saw in 2019, I don't think enough people remember. It, uh, if you have complained about the Braves' bullpen this year, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, we all have. And, they, and they've earned it. scroll back on your timeline for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. But when you look at the 2019 team, it was doomed if they hadn't gone out and gotten Melanson Green and they they actually they got O'Day back at the same time and they get, went out and got Martin. So the bullpen is the easiest thing to upgrade at the deadline. You need a bat. But if you can maybe get like a two three inning guy to push Josh Tomlin into a pitching coach role or something, he's just really not doing it for me right now. The uh Monday night game really kind of was the nail in that coffin for me. You could still see a scenario where the Braves are going to win the division. Man, I don't know how it's possible, but it's it exists, and I, I don't know how I feel about it. And Orlando Arcia being in the lineup, he's not the bat, but that's a start. He's looked real good. And, you he's know, looked fantastic, and that's something that I wanted plate to point out. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought him up, and yes, it's only been, today was, what, his fourth game? But it's a different, yep. type, of, it's a different type of bat. It's somebody that... Unless you've just been under a rock and just like forcing yourself and aggressively ignoring what he was doing at AAA and the actual swing changes he's made, it's something that makes you wonder like why in the world was he not up a month ago? Uh, but you're seeing him up now, and he's putting great swings on the ball. He launch jobbed that home run last night. That was that was one of the most violent home run swings I've seen in a long time. That ball was absolutely crushed. Perfect yeah, swing, just violence to the core, just a crushed homer and then Acuna goes out and crushes one today um but with Arcia who I'm going to call Atlanta Arcia every time he does something good um for that though that I'm glad he's up and playing and I I wish I wasn't so sure that if left field hadn't been a black hole he'd still be sitting in triple a right now but that's kind of where I'm at um but that kind of it does give you options if he continues hitting you and I have both come to this this agreement, and everybody's been like, well, duh, of course you did, Dylan. But I feel it's, it's, it's important to note that you were the original one who came up with this, that the Braves should trade Dansby. Because you're probably not tendering him a contract, certainly at the number that he's most likely going to want. He's probably going to want something like $10 million, or at least similar to Paul DeYoung. And there's no way on God's green earth you should give him that amount of money. Uh, you and I have both come to the, the agreement that you should trade him. Because he's not a core player as much as, you know, a lot of people might wish he was. He's not a core player on this team. He is. Like, I, I know there's that weird tweet that someone called him the heart and soul of this team. Uh, yeah. Um, not, the, not the 23-year-old superstar, megastar, who might end up being the most talented person that the Atlanta Braves have ever. Let me, actually, he might be the most talented player, the Braves, as an organization in their entire history. And you know who I'm talking about may have ever seen yeah 
Yeah, and I meant that to be like that because Hank Hank is the goat. Chipper is the goat too. Uh, the GOAT 2.0, and then there's also Eddie Matthews in there, and then there's a Dale Murphy, Andrew Jones. We've had a lot of Warren Spawn, Greg Maddox. He's not really ours, but we claim him. Uh, John Smoltz. There's been a lot of them. None of them have had the raw talent that Ronald Acuna has, and you and me have been saying this since he debuted. This kid is King Griffey Jr. This is what you're getting from him. That's the heart and soul of your team. Duh. Or maybe Ozzy. I don't know. The guy who's super fun, hustles all the time, who there's 46,000 parody accounts for. Those are the heart and soul of your team. Maybe Freddy, the guy who's been through everything, the hug monster Freddy, he might be the heart and soul of your team. It's certainly not an average shortstop who can't play on the road and can't consistently make contact. And if it sounds like I'm dumping on Dansby, it is. Because I have to hear about it every single time he does something good. This is a number one overall pick. He is batting, what, 226 right now, 227-ish. His OBP is under 290. His slugging has his slugging is actually pretty decent, but that's just because the only hits he tends to get right now are home runs or doubles. Um, he's been an awful player. His, his WRC Plus is in the 80s, which we would say, oh, man, it's a down year. For him, that's fairly normal. That's one of these areas that the Braves can do better from. And if you can deal him to a team that's like, you know what? I see something in him I can fix. Do it. Fine. You're not going to bring him back, so what does it matter? But that's not to say that you trade a guy like Freddie Freeman. And that brings us to the crux of our show for today. After a quick reminder that you guys should download Green Room, Spotify Green Room, immediately and make a call or a little internet visit to one Casey Stakes. I know my buddy Doc Herbert loves Casey Stakes. Let him tell you all why. Most assuredly. Uh, you know, just pretend you're in Kansas City for a second. Great city, Patrick Mahomes, waterfall in the outfield, a Kauffman Stadium. But what they're really known for is their meat. So when you hear about Kansas City steaks, your mouth is probably watering already. They've got the bomb-ass meat. You've heard me talk in the last couple weeks about classic steak cuts, USDA Prime, specialty cuts, and it's all true. Steakhouse quality meals and the comfort of your own home pants optional. But to make the deal even sweeter, if you go to KansasCitySteaks.com, use a promo code SD, that's... SD like San Diego, South Dakota, standard definition, sugar dreams, or so drunk, you will get up to 50, excuse me, you'll get exactly 15% off your order. Again, that's KansasCitySteaks.com, promo code SD. If you need the acronyms again, rewind, you will get 15% off your order. Satisfaction guaranteed, a phrase which is bookended by the letters S and D. Back to you, Dylan Short. So, if you're wondering why I'm talking about, um, hey, don't trade off your superstar first baseman who's been with you for basically longer than anybody else on the roster. Well, it comes down to a tweet thread where I got um, maybe needlessly verbose, but it was in response to, by the way, verbose is a fancy word for saying long-winded. Um, but it comes in, there's a, there's a big section, a large swath of Braves country. I think we could say, at least on Twitter, which we do need to remind ourselves Twitter is not a direct representative of the Braves fan base, even though you and I are are pretty heavily enmeshed in there. Um, but there is a large swath of the Braves fandom in social media that is of the notion that this team, since they're not good right now and they really don't look like a good team anyway, that you should sell off everybody that isn't named Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies or Max Fried. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. And I went on a very long-winded Twitter thread. You guys should probably read it. Um, I did miss Ozzy getting hurt while I was typing this thread out, so I was a little shocked and concerned when I saw Abraham Almonte 
in left field, and I assumed that Arcia had gotten taken out, and I was ready to burn down Brian Snicker on a pier. Um, but essentially, what the thread says is this. If there's one lesson that we should take away from the 2020 Atlanta Braves versus the 2021 Atlanta Braves, it's that the idea of windows, contention windows, are a myth. They're not real. There are so many variables involved in baseball that you cannot just assume that because you were good the year before that you're going to be just as good the next season, even if you bring back the exact same roster. Baseball is very, very hard. You need to take advantage of everything you can to make your team as good as possible if there's any chance of a postseason opportunity. And you can tell me all you want, well, if you're not a great team and you're, you're, you're going to be a wild card team or, or basically a wild card team, then you, know, you don't really have a shot to go. That is garbage. The Marlins have two World Series in their history. Both times came from being a wild card. The Giants, in their stretch run of being good in even years in the early 2010s, when did they win? They won as a wild card team. If you can get to the postseason, it's not about being the most talented team. It's about being the best team at that particular moment, which is one of the reasons that it's one of the things that makes the baseball playoffs so much different from everybody else's. It's a long season, but if you can peak at that right opportunity, then you can make real runs. And yes, the Braves went on a run for 14 years. But you know what? Maybe that wasn't a case of a window. Maybe that was just a case of the Braves had better players than everybody else. And maybe if they thought that, maybe if they decided to upgrade more, instead of saying, well, the players that we currently have are better than everybody else around us, so we should just keep the same team. Maybe if they decided to make some adjustments and maybe go out for some other players and maybe continue trying to upgrade, maybe they would have won one, more than one World Series. You had three Hall of Fame pitchers. I mean, no matter what roster you put around them, you were guaranteed a playoff spot. So essentially, that's my argument of you're not, unless you just are completely buried. Like I would say if you're, if you're 10 games out and you're in the second half, okay, then maybe you can consider selling at the deadline. But in this type of division where literally any team is still mathematically capable of winning this and really feasibly able to win this by just one bad run from the number one team and one good run by you, can, you can jump like four spots in a manner of four games then why would you want to sell? Take a look, and I'm, I'm sorry to keep running you over on here, but take good, a look at the, at, at the better teams in baseball. Take a look at the Dodgers. And I know we hate the Dodgers, but secretly that's the team that we want to be. We want to be the team that has all the best players and has the best farm system and spends a ton of money and keeps getting better. Look at how they do, look at how they do business. They're not afraid to trade prospects. Look at the Rays. Taylor Walls is trade bait for the Rays. Doc, you and I know, and all of you prospect guys listening, you all know, you put Taylor Walls on at least 22 other teams, maybe 25. He's the top shortstop in their system. He is trade bait. He is not going to be on that team all year. I mean, it's, it's these teams that, that we look at continuously be like, man, they're so smart. Their player development is so awesome. They trade prospects like crazy because, yes, that prospect may work out and be awesome. But, Doc, do you know what the chances... What would you hang a guess that the chances are that say... I don't know. Let's just say that Ian Anderson last year, before Ian Anderson ever came up, what would you say the chances of Ian Anderson being as good as Lance Lynn has been since he's gone to just fastball? I mean, it's a long shot. You know, you, you trade prospects for guys that are as good as you hope your prospects will be. 
You should do that anyway, because best case scenario for that prospect is they end up like that. Like, like when we talk about a Joey Gallo trade, which I'm sure we're probably going to talk about 10,000 times before the deadline. If you're saying that, no, you don't want to trade Drew Waters in that deal, or even you and me saying, I don't want to trade Christian Pache in that deal. Well, if we're being really honest with ourselves, the chance that either of those two are as, are as impactful as a Joey Gallo or, I don't, or a Trevor Story or, or any of these guys that you're talking about adding, the chance that they're that good is vanishingly small. Most prospects, if they make it to the major leagues, are average players. That's the law of averages. That's why the guys that stand out like Acuna stand out because it's so uncommon. So this idea of, well, it, it's not a straight, it's not the same thing as saying, well, if I don't want to trade, like instead of assuming that the, the guys that you have that just because their future value is a 55 or a 60, and you're like, well, that means they should be, you know, an all-star for three or four years. I don't want to trade three or four years of all-star ability on the cheap for somebody who's going to make one all-star team and have a good season and a half for you. They, they're not the same thing because the guy that you're trading for has already done it. So you already know that's what he is. The prospects, sure, there's a chance that they do. There's also a larger chance that they don't. When you look at Christian Pache, okay, you and I have, have been enamored with him for and we years still are. and years. And we, we still, still are, are, of course. But with, you know, he was getting 65 overall grades as a prospect out of 80. And you saw how hard it was for him when he got here. Baseball is really hard. Mike Trout, who is the the best position player in baseball and has been for the better part of a decade, he got sent down after his first call-up. I mean, baseball's hard, even even for the best guys. And Trout figured it out, but that doesn't mean Pache is going to figure it out. We could sit here. We had a segment called Busted Prospects. We weren't just picking on dudes. The, these <laughs> sorry, were Matt supposed Lipka. Yeah, sorry. And uh, he did give us a one-star review. So, he sure did. You know, uh, he, <laughs> he and Josh Brown. Though. Yeah, well, he and Josh Brown, I think, were the only ones that ever gave us a uh, gave us a one star review. But uh, but yeah, I mean, look, baseball is really really hard, and that and I hate to keep repeating that, but that's just what it kind of comes back to. And that even the best prospects, you know, they are worth more as trade bait than than they are as players a lot of the time. And in recent years, you've seen teams that have tried to do the whole reshuffling thing. It's like. Or kind of reloading for the next year, like or even if you're not, retooling, retooling, right? Yeah, because I mean, tanking and rebuilding became like swear words for a couple years in baseball. So you see a lot of teams that are trying to uh, just shuffle the um, shuffle the roster in a little bit in a meaningful way to where you're not subtracting. Like if you trade somebody like Dansby, you're not doing it for prospects. You're you're trading it to upgrade somewhere else, like to get a left fielder or to get a better shortstop. You know, like like a Trevor Story or, or whoever. I mean, it's it's not you're not gonna trade Dansby just because you don't like him. You know what I mean? You you trade him because you think he still has value, and and because you think that he he in on your team may have less value in the future. That's just smart, you know. And, and whether he's the heart of the team or not, you have to look at, you know, Anthopolis, uh, disingenuous or not, 
you have to always be on the lookout for ways to improve your team. And sometimes you have to make painful trades. The trades that he has made have, by and large, probably not been nearly as painful as we would have liked for them to have been. Because a lot of us have been saying, you need to be trading prospects for a very long time. And now, you almost have to throw some kind of Hail Mary and get a Gallo and or get a story or pick a bat, you know? If you don't think Travis Darno is going to be back, you start looking at maybe trying to get Wilson Contreras, you know, just just because you need the injection. There's something here. This The team is not great, but it's got good enough players to where you can see that you're going to start to get, like, some synergy where, you know, one and one doesn't equal three yet, but one and one equals, like, you know, 2.2 for now. So, you know, as long as you're in a position to add, you know, you are a fan of the name on the front of the jersey. It's cool if you're a fan of the one on the back, too. But Dansby's not going to win a World Series by himself. The Braves, as a team, on the front of the jersey, they would be the ones that win the World Series. Pull for the name on the front. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And, and you know, just because we're saying things like, hey, you need to trade your prospects, the Rays trade prospects all the time. That doesn't mean you're going to trade all of your top prospects. Like, the Rays trade everybody. They weren't going to trade Wander Franco. I mean, there's a difference between not trading your generational prospects, which no one is going to do, versus trading a guy that, yeah, you have topped out in your system, but maybe there's more volatility in that profile. Like, not every... We, we said this when uh, that moron Joe Frazaro was trying to argue with me that uh, that just because Lewis Brinson and Ronald Acuna were both number one in their respective systems, that they were the same prospect. They've never in the history of time been the same type of prospect. As soon as Ronald Acuna got to number one on the prospect list, he was basically assured that he was going to be a superstar. Brinson had always been said, well, you know, there's tons of swing and miss. I don't know if he can catch up to a real fastball, but hey, man, he's got tools. Like, there's a difference there. There's a difference that way with every team. And if you trust your development staff, you shouldn't be afraid to trade prospects because they're the ones that found the first one that you traded. They can find another one. I mean, it's not... That's why the Rays have no problem churning and burning on prospects. That's why the Dodgers don't, don't really have any issues with churning and burning on prospects because they feel their staffs are so good, they'll just find more of those types of players. And look... We've brought up the 19 and 31 start from the Nationals a couple years ago, and they went on to the world to win the World Series. There've been a lot of teams that started 19 and 31 that didn't go on to win the World Series, <laughs> but there's still but some that have. There's still there's I know of at least one, and uh, and so it's kind of tricky when you're looking at this team. Go well, why would you trade your future assets to make a run this year? And the truth is, it's not because of the 2019 Nationals. It's not because any other team that started bad got caught fire at the right time and won the World Series. It's just because you never know. It's really because, and here's my thing, here's the whole point of why I said what I said. Because we keep saying that, well, you keep saying, well, why would you do that for this season when you can be better in the future? You don't know if you are going to be. Frankly, if you want me to break it down, that's what it is. Yes, we all think that you're going to be, but we all thought that the team this year would be better than the team last year. Just because yeah, how, how you could think the, how that could the rotation how could right. the rotation possibly be worse than it was last year? Exactly. How 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 could this offense that has all of this firepower be bad? They're going to be good. Even we were saying things like even if somebody gets hurt, this team has the depth to where they can still beat you offensively. And well, we were wrong. But that's, that's kind of what baseball is. And we keep bringing up the Dodgers. The Dodgers aren't winning their division. The Yankees are awful this year. The Twins are horrible this year. That Twins team is the exact same Twins team 
that had been just demolishing the AL Central. That's the exact same team, plus Josh Donaldson. But they're horrendous because baseball is a very fickle sport. Take advantage. Take advantage of your teams while they're good. Don't play for windows. If you, if you, ha- if you have a good development staff, you're going to still maintain windows. You're always going to have good players coming through. Take advantage of the times when you can. And if you can get to the playoffs, don't, as a front office guy, fans say whatever you want. For a front office exec, though, for a GM, you you can't look at a team and be like, well, we can make the playoffs, but we're not going to be good. We can't go deep, so let's just not even really try. You like that's a you can't have that mindset and be be an MLB GM. It's not going to work. Your mindset always has to be take advantage of as much you can take advantage of because you never know what's going to happen in the next season. It could you could have everybody in your team could be having the season of their lives, and the next season they have the worst season of their lives. Who knows? It's just it's too volatile. Stop acting like, well, if we just sell off now and we just say, ah, well, we'll just suck for one year. We'll be right back next year. Maybe, or maybe you won't be. Maybe 2020 was the apex. Who knows? So play for the wins that you can get. And it's also possible that the rest of the teams in this division, I'm looking at the Marlins, they're going to be a real threat over the next couple of years. And, you know, if the Mets are going to spend, spend money like people think they are, you know, if the Phillies, I know they got a lot of money tied up in Harper and Wheeler, Real Muto and a couple guys. But, you know, they, they can spend. I, there's no guarantees. You know, you could be just as good as last year, but if the competition's even better, then the results are going to be different. So all that to say, and uh, it's my turn this week to say that we are running out of time. But, you know, if you were this close, like you're too close to punt, you know, it it looks ugly. And, and look, maybe the Braves go on a run, they make it into the playoffs, and they get clobbered by the Giants. Who knows? We, we don't know, but it's also entirely possible they make a run and then they steamroll the Giants or the Dodgers or the Padres or whoever that they could possibly see. But if they don't, if they don't go get anybody, the odds of things staying kind of stagnant are going to be just exactly what they are. So for now, I am totally okay with where this team is. I want to give up on them. <laughs> I really kind of do, <laughs> but, but I just, I can't. If, if we were 13 games out, I wouldn't even be watching right now. But we're not. So, you know, hold on. That's all you that's all you can do. Hold on. I think hold that's on. a very I think that's a very good place to end this. So that is where we're going to end the show for this week. Sorry if you guys were expecting a little bit more of a happy episode. When the Braves do something to make us happy, we'll do a happy episode. Uh, but Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in this week. Hopefully we'll, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to fine-tune some things and get this turned around here quickly. We want it as much as you guys do. We're tired of doing shows when the team isn't playing well. So, uh, Doc, thanks for coming on a little bit earlier than we normally do, but glad we could get this out of the way. And to all of you guys out there, just hang on. We're almost, we're almost to the All-Star break where everybody can just take a little breath. Just hang on just a little bit farther. We'll see what the Braves can do. We'll be back again next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Come down, look back, 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 back.